Hello. Welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. Welcome to Daily Hope. My name is Ryan Pfeiffer, and we're in 1 Samuel chapter 12. We're going to look at this pivotal moment when Samuel passes the baton of leadership to the first king of Israel, King Saul. It's when the Israelites move from a theocratic leadership structure led by prophets and judges to a king structure with a military like all the other nations around them. It represents a key moment in the relationship between the people of God and their Lord and God. And so I wanted to start by asking you a reflection question. If someone were to ask you, what is the evidence from your life that God is truly worth trusting and following and loving with all our hearts? What would you say? Based on God's activity in your life, what is the evidence that God is worth following and trusting? That's what Samuel asked the people of Israel to reflect on as he confronts their demand for a king. Beginning in verse 1, Samuel said to all Israel, I have listened to everything you said to me and have set a king over you. Now you have a king as your leader. And as for me, I am old and gray and my sons are here with you. I have been your leader from my youth until this day. Here I stand. And then Samuel begins to confront the people of Israel about the sin that's behind their motivation in demanding a king. Verse 17 says this, And you will realize what an evil thing you did in the eyes of the Lord when you asked for a king. So let's just ask the question, why was asking for a king a sinful thing? Well, we get a little bit of evidence about that in in verse 12, right here in chapter 12, verse 12. Samuel says, But when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, was moving against you, you said to me, No, we want a king to rule over us, even though the Lord your God was your king. What that reflects is that in the face of a, a military threat, the people of Israel, out of fear and uncertainty and anxiety, gave up their trust in God's protection and wanted a king. Again, but why was that wrong? Okay, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 18. We've got to go back and look at the people of Israel's demand for a king and the way they explain it. Listen to this. Chapter 8, verse 19. We want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. So what's the issue here? The issue is they want to be like all the other nations. They want to exchange the protection and provision of God for the protection and provision of a system that is like all the other nations have around them. They don't have Yahweh. What do they have? They have kings and they have a military. And they are exchanging God for a king and a military. And that's the issue. The people of Israel are called to be a holy people set apart. And like the people of Israel, we are called to be holy and set apart. But like the people of Israel in this passage, we are all tempted to settle for just being like everyone else. It's in those moments where we feel uncertain, insecure, afraid, When we are yearning for security and certainty that our faith is tested and we experience the temptation to find our security the way everybody else around us finds their security. That is the temptation, not just to human leadership or wanting the king, but the overall temptation to idolatry. Idolatry is anything we put our trust in above God. And in this passage, we see Samuel equating their demand for a king 
with idolatry. And that really their demand for a king is really another form and expression of idolatry, their refusal to trust God with the things that matter most in their life. But what's so beautiful about this passage is the way that Samuel promises them that they will return and renew their trust in God despite their demand for a king. God will continue to watch over them and guide them and bless them and to renew that trust in God. He seeks to bring forth the evidence of God's faithfulness in their life. Look at this, verse 7. Now then, stand here because I'm going to confront you with evidence before the Lord as to all the righteous acts performed by the Lord for you and your ancestors. I love that line. I'm going to confront you with all the evidence of God's goodness in your life to prove to you you have no basis to not trust him. What is the evidence of God's faithfulness to you in your life? I want to just encourage you to this week to stop and write out five to ten key faith-defining moments when God acted on your behalf. What is the evidence of God's faithfulness in your life? Five to ten key defining moments when God acted on your behalf. And I want you to share it with someone. Just do this thing. I think you're going to see that it's going to really build up your faith. I'm going to list out a couple of mine. Number one, faith-defining moment was when God revealed himself to me in my bedroom when I was a junior in high school. And I had been seeking God for a year. God, if you're real, please reveal yourself to me. And that night, God came into my room and revealed his love to me through Jesus and broke my heart with his love. The second one was when God used me to help my dad come to faith. Seeing my dad come to faith blew my mind. And I realized, man, God, you are so big. You're bigger than my dad. Another major faith-defining moment was when God answered my prayer and the prayers of my family for after 10 years of praying for a home, God brought us into this home. These were key moments where God acted on our behalf and showed us again and again that he is worth and deserving of all our trust. What are those faith-defining moments in your life? Write them out and share them with someone this week. God bless you. Have a good week.